podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello guys, what is going on? Daniel Childs back here again for another show. Hope you're doing well on this Wednesday. Going to be starting a new feature today on the show and that is called The Breakdown. We're going to be looking back at the past Chelsea game, look at some data, look at some opinions, some tactical breakdowns from people, kind of the key features of the game, whether I agree, disagree with people's opinions and kind of look at some of the trends we're seeing from Chelsea so far this season. I did that kind of breakdown during the international break of why Chelsea are actually doing quite well this season. So I wanted to keep in that trend and do a show of that nature to kind of look at things in a different way rather than just kind of that emotional reaction we have straight after the game. So kind of a second review, looking at things and looking at things in maybe a broader perspective with some data that maybe is going to challenge our perceptions about Chelsea. If you like the sound of that and want to see more content on this channel, please do hit that like button. Really does help the show out, helps more people find the content throughout the season. Hit that subscribe button if you haven't already. The way to financially support the show, if you can, is through Buy Me A Coffee. Link in the description box below for that page hopefully launching some son of chelsea merch soon as you can see by this sweatshirt as or hoodie i should call it as we are um nearing autumn technically you know the, the weather's starting to change in the uk so you may want and need a hoodie or a sweatshirt as we enter the winter month so if you want to see some son of chelsea merch and get some please do hit that like button and let me know in the comments down below but let's get into it so Let's start off with some data that you and some stats that you probably don't want to hear regarding Chelsea. We're going to start off with the negative in terms of how badly Chelsea have done in the year of 2023 so far. Since Graham Potter won his first two Premier League away games in charge, and this again, this is how bad it is. It's actually stretching back to the the beginning of last season. So we're still in 2022, the final months of 2022. Since he won his first two Premier League away games in charge against Crystal Palace and Aston Villa in October of 2022, the Blues have only managed two further victories in 16 away matches in the competition, drawing five and losing nine. Chelsea, kind of demonstrating how poor we are in front of goal, have only scored five goals in the Premier League so far this season. Their fewest after five games of a top-flight campaign since 95-96 when they finished 11th. Only slightly better than last season. Let's hope that isn't kind of the norm for Chelsea moving forward. But let's look now specifically at the Bournemouth game. And this was the starting lineup via who scored match centre in terms of the way Chelsea were set up. The 4-2-3-1 formation that Pochettino has gone for so far this season. It was the expected formation, to be honest, when he became Chelsea head coach because it's the one he's used most in his career. Uh, most notably, of course, with that very successful, not in terms of trophies, but in terms of their performances, of course, Spurs side. So we expected him to use this formation. And although in the opening weeks of the season, we debated whether it was a three or four, 
I think given the players like Thiago Silva mentioning this, Poch himself, and just watching the games consistently now, it is a back four. Levi Colwell is playing as a left back, and we'll discuss whether that's the right thing or not for Chelsea. So you can see here on the graph right now in terms of how Chelsea are lined up. The biggest change with Mikhailo Mudrik coming in at left wing rather than Ben Chirwell, who has been playing there. And of course, Leslie Ugo Chukwu getting his first Premier League start for Chelsea, given the uh, late injury, of course, to Moises Casado. These were the players' average positions during the game. Sometimes I think it's interesting to look at average positions because they sometimes tell us a little bit more about the way the team is operating, the way players, despite what we sort of assume the formation looks like, is, is the way it's set up most of the time. And as you can see, I mean, it's not that surprising that Levi Colwell in particular as a left back is actually behind the halfway line there rather than this marauding wing back or, you know, going up and down the flank like Ben Chirwell can. That's not much of a surprise, but we'll get to why, in my opinion, it's not a great thing for Chelsea creatively. Uh, Thiago Silva and Axel Dezassi operating as the two centre-backs. You've got Malo Gusto further up the pitch. And then Enzo Fernandez, despite apparently starting as this number 10, is actually closer to Leslie Ugochukwu. Again, a player who likes to receive the ball in deep areas. That's another part of Chelsea's system so far that people have asked questions about in terms of Enzo playing higher up the pitch. It's actually not the best thing for his game. And Conor Gallagher actually playing a little bit further, even though at the start it looked like he was playing in that midfield too alongside Ugochukwu. And then you have kind of quite a close um, front three in terms of Raheem Sterling and Nicholas Jackson, a lot more central and in uh, Mudrik just off to the left there. Who had the most touches on Sunday? This is not, you know, a guessing show. You don't have to say it in the comments. The most touches of, of Chelsea's team on Sunday was Malo Gusto with 100. This is again from who scored. This was his heat map on Sunday. So he is receiving the ball a lot. The problem with that is creativity for Chelsea down that right flank without Rhys James. We know this. And without Reese, it's very unfair. Who I, you know, Gusto, I think, as a competent backup, I think he's done well so far. Like defensively, I think he looks like a very shrewd player. I think he's someone that um, very much gauges where to be, what to do. Uh, he just looks like a good professional. I think he will do a lot of good things for Chelsea. He's a very safe pair of hands when Reese James has to go out. But from a creative point of view, it isn't great for Chelsea. Just looking at some Premier League stats so far this season, comparing both Malo Gusto, who of course has now played and started four Premier League games out of five. Reese James started the first one against Liverpool and has been injured since. If we look at team play from the Premier League's own website, um, assists, Malo Gusto has got two. Both of those assists came in the win over Luton. The first one, of course, that brilliant individual goal by Raheem Sterling. The second one was to hit Raheem Sterling. I'd give a lot more credit to Malo Gusto because that was a really good cutback into the box. But in terms of big chances created, only one there so far. And if you compare that to Rhys James, who again in context has only played one Premier League game so far, he has one more um, than Malo Gusto. And Malo Gusto, at least in the evidence of, of Bournemouth and so far, and, and I think it was the same against the low block against Nottingham Forest, he is receiving a lot of the ball, but that quality is really lacking. Now, the reason I bring Malo Gusto up, in my opinion, and you guys may disagree, let me know in the comments below, is I think it affects us on the other side. Because if you've got Malo Gusto, who's receiving a lot of the ball, 
opponents are maybe happy for him to have the ball because the likelihood is, and based on the evidence so far this season, he's unlikely to create anything brilliant. And he isn't going to unlock your defense. You cannot offer the same room and touches to Reese James because the likelihood is Reese James is going to be causing you problems. He is one of the best wing backs, full backs, I think, in the Premier League in terms of his ability to pick out passes, his ability to withhold the ball, I think, physicality to be able to keep the ball. But then also, of course, as we know, with that right foot of his to be able to bend across in with real danger whether that's low whether that's high and, and I think that's of course a big big asset for Chelsea and, and as we know Reese can chip in with goals every now and then too so then we go on to the left side where you have Levi Cole who isn't really operating in the same way it's, it is a little bit of a lopsided back four in the sense that you are kind of pushing Malogasto up but he isn't providing that final third threat and kind of question for me why Ben Sherwell wasn't playing as a left back in this game compared to Mikhailo Mudrik. Seb C, who I think you should follow, he's a coach, so he has a lot more experience working within the game compared to me. Um, but I asked a question on Sunday whilst the game was going on. I don't get playing a left winger, that being Mikhailo Mudrik, then still playing a centre back and a left back as a left back, I think I meant there, especially when that left back is Ben Chirwell. He responded by saying, we need competent players in the air, five preferably in any Premier League starting lineups. And he mentions Dezassi, Colwell, and Hugo Chukwu. Silver and Gallagher are also decent within the air. That's it. And I responded by saying, it kind of feels like something only Chelsea would do to limit themselves offensively. Got to be a risk-reward assessment and seems to be always fearful of what others will do, even if that means limiting a key part of our team. It's just dull. And he responded by saying, I think it is unserious to start an away Premier League game of less than five. No wonder there's teams who can't win away for 20 games. That's how academy recruitment difference from first team recruitment needs to tick boxes to complement each other, even if it means a slight trade-off. I understand what he's saying, and I, I'm not going to dismiss the you know, the physical side of, of the Premier League that I think some people really undersell and dismiss as kind of an old way of thinking. There is a relevance there, especially away from home um, with the way teams will utilize. The more my company grows, the harder it is to stay focused on our core product. I need to master DE&I, ESG, M&A, even how to adapt to hybrid working. The more hats I wear, the more I need Aon. They bring their whole team to the table, and give me access to great minds in each discipline. So as my business grows, my knowledge expands, and I see things more clearly. Better decisions. Aon. Set pieces. But then again, I just, I look at the way the team is operating in the moment, and sure, we have some key injury problems. There's there's no way for Poch to solve that on Sunday. There's no way probably for him to solve that in, in a huge way on Sunday against Aston Villa. But I do wonder that risk-reward. And I actually think Ben Jewell is all right in the air, despite not being the tallest player. I, I think that he um, makes up for that. I think he's better in the air than Marco Correa. I think defensively, he's proven in his time at Chelsea that he can be quite effective in that area. And of course, as we know, his ability moving forward as a fullback, those diagonal runs that he makes from an offensive point of view can be really dangerous. And given the way Mikhailo Mudrik looked on Sunday, I, I just felt at times it would have been nice if Mudrik had a little bit of help on that, of opening up the defence with Chirwell making those runs. And Chirwell is a great athlete. We know he can get up and down that flank. And when you're relying on Malo Augusto, if we're just looking at the fullbacks to have a lot of the touches and you aren't creating but then you've got Levi Cole on the other side I don't I don't think creatively it's a great trade-off Conor Gallagher uh, as you can see on the thumbnail we we'll, we'll, 
that's why we've gotten to Conor Gallagher in, in, in the show right now regarding him having a really good game. And expected Chelsea tweeted after they had a really good game for Chelsea in terms of ball progression um, last evening and one of the most remarkable I've seen in a while. We made 53 progressive passes and Gallagher was involved in 26, made 17 and received 9. Involvement to that level, he explains, 50% is very rare. I also think a notable stat here, just in terms of the evidence of so far this season, Gallagher started every game for Pochettino. Even the League Cup against uh, Wimbledon, where he was captain like he was on Sunday. I thought the captaincy was uh, a big thing for, for Gallagher. I mean, many people have kind of forgotten about it or didn't think about it too much after the game. But given this was a guy that Chelsea were maybe actively looking to sell, is still a player finding his feet. To, for him to be given the captaincy, when even with a young team, you've got to think that Thiago Silva could have had the, had the captaincy. I think that was the most obvious one on that day. For Connor to be given that captaincy already a couple times this season, I think says something maybe from Pochettino's side of, of how much he values Connor Gallagher. And Gallagher hasn't really played the attacking midfield role that I'd prefer to see him in. I think it was notable that one of Chelsea's earliest chances, basically first chances, was Mikhailo Madrid, some good work down the left, and Gallagher bursting into the box. And as you can see on screen now, this is the graphic uh, of that chance. It, Mudrick's pass wasn't that good. It was kind of a little bit behind Gallagher and the chance was gone after that. Um, and we also had Raheem Sterling inside the box. These are the sort of positions I want to see Gallagher in consistently. And it's it's one thing that is clearly a problem for Pochettino right now in terms of that number 10 role. He's trying Enzo there. It isn't really working. He's tweaking the midfield during the game to maybe get Connor a little bit further forward or, or find other options. Cole Palmer obviously is is potentially an option on, in a starting way against Aston Villa. Now he's been signed and I expect that start will happen pretty soon rather than just him playing on the wing. Um, but I would like to see Connor making those runs more consistently. I, I still think he is starting a little bit deeper, but given that isn't maybe his best role and he's performing to this level... Maybe he is a little bit underrated. I know people were dismissing Conor Gallagher last season and very easy to, to let him go, but it wasn't... Um, I, I don't think it's been that much of a surprise to me to see him play so much. You know, some of that has been aided, of course, by injuries to give him that opportunity. If Nkunku was fit, if Chukomeka was fit, you know, if you look at a team, Casado, Lavia, sure, I, I, maybe if we got Casado in a little bit earlier... Maybe Gallagher's minutes would have been a little bit more limited. But I think given what we have currently, he is proving to be an effective player for Chelsea. I really do believe that. We're going to round up by looking at some sort of general attacking stats. And once again, these are positive, but they're also negative. I think positive from a coaching sort of performance level. Because again, Chelsea, in terms of getting into the right areas... Chelsea are doing the right things. I, I, I truly do believe that. And I know a lot of people roll their eyes. And we, we did speak about this during the international break. And then you watch the Bournemouth game where we, we once again don't score. I think it's very easy for people to, and, and understandable for people to be frustrated. But Sky looked at this after the game. And Chelsea, in terms of Premier League rank for goals, are 11th. But in terms of expected goals, we're fourth. In terms of shots, we're fifth. We're second in touches in the opposition box and big chances too, which we spoke about during the international break. That is, I think, still a good number. But those final two there are the, the killer ones for Pochettino. 16th for shot conversion, that's 7.5%. And 18th in the relegation zone for big chance conversion, that's 21%. 
it's those two and and i think that again yes those are going to make the key difference to everyone's mood in terms of the way people look at chelsea but i was listening to the london is blue podcast and i think they made uh, matt law actually made a really good point on this that pochettino himself probably if chelsea would have had say a few more points at this stage of the season and we played badly in some games and won so say if we played like really poorly against nottingham forest like i know people will say we played poorly in the way we did in terms of losing but if we really played badly and i almost refer to it as some of those like took all games at the back end of his regime where like we were lucky to win games and the data doesn't really show that chelsea are creating a lot it doesn't really show a team um offensively that are, are creating high quality opportunities but also could continue to perform well and that's going to run out over over a period of time there's nothing sustainable there maybe it's an individual moment of brilliance maybe maybe it's a an individual mistake from a from an opposition team but chelsea had more points i'm sure a lot of people would go yeah i'll have that but in comparison to consistent performance levels actually Pochettino would maybe prefer this in terms of in the long term and that's something Chelsea you know Chelsea generally don't like hearing it's it's probably more beneficial because if it creates a team that has those kind of natural instincts and natural connections to make things consistently it will make us a more productive team in the long term again this is all theory at the moment and there's only so much i think people's patience ran out last season to be honest and that's carried on into this season but i do think seeing a team that are doing these things on a consistent basis still with the number of injuries we have is it's not positive because Chelsea aren't winning games. There's no way that that's, you know, I can't show you a graph that's going to make you feel better about Chelsea. But I think we do need to take into account these numbers. And actually from a performance level, Chelsea aren't playing atrociously. It's just that final third. And hopefully that will click over a longer period of time. But I feel like we, I really hope I'm not saying that on a consistent basis because at some point the players own performance levels and confidence will naturally dip if that continues. Another thing I just wanted to compare to other Premier League players so far this season. Um, this is, you know, stats cheat sheet. It's, it's regarding FPL, but these are stats that we can look at and kind of take something from. XG, Nicholas Jackson is in the top three there. Non-penalty XG, uh, Jackson is second only to Erling Haaland. In terms of penalty area touches, we spoke about that being pretty high for Chelsea. Raheem Sterling is top with 52, uh, which I think is, is a positive. And looking at best XG uh, conceded, Goals conceded per 90, Chelsea are third there as well. So defensively, Chelsea aren't doing things woefully. I do want to shout out Sean, um, who is a really, really good uh, Twitter account to follow, X account to follow uh, that I'll link below. He does really great breakdowns of the games looking at the way Chelsea build up the way they've sort of altered during games so far this season he looked at uh, passes per defensive action in the way Chelsea are creating chances through their pressing which I think is a really interesting take regarding the way Pochettino approaches his team and how Chelsea can get better throughout the season the one thing he did note that was kind of a, a massive negative and I want to credit him here was the massive gap between the defensive midfielder you can see here on screen now it's the 66th minute and uh, Bournemouth are starting a counter-attack and you see kind of this circle of doom that we saw a lot of times actually under Frank Lampard many people picked it up and you see a, a split between the team some teams are exploiting it so that's something that hopefully over time can be fixed because being done on transition especially when you have Thiago Silva at the back that that's a wider question over whether he's going to remain in the team for the long term because I, I, I said this after Nottingham Forest that there may become a 
a compromise in the long term over just understanding that if you want to play Pochettino style of football at Thiago Silva's age, how much are you compensating? You know, how much when we were at the start of this show, we spoke about Malo Gusto and we spoke about Levi Cowell. How much of that is to protect Thiago Silva? And I always said this regarding Jorginho. What is the cost benefit analysis do you agree do you disagree let me know you can follow me on x and all the socials at son of chelsea at son of chelsea yt on facebook and i will see you again very soon all the best bed bath and beyond is back with more to choose from than ever before at the new Bed Bath & Beyond, you'll find all the products and brands you love, along with a huge new selection of furniture, decor, and everything else you need to create the home of your dreams, all in one amazing online store. Download our new app and save even more with exclusive deals and offers. Plus, get free shipping right to your front door. Welcome to a bigger, better beyond. Sports Social Podcast Network.